I have a photograph of myself around the age of eight, sitting on the stage of my childhood church, mouth awkwardly agape in song. Wrapped in a crimson bathrobe, a dish towel covers my head and falls to rest on my shoulders. I lean on a bamboo stick that is taller than me. Most good evangelicals will immediately recognize this depiction as the very historically accurate representation of a Hebrew shepherd circa the year 1 BC. No nativity play worth its salt would omit this critical character. In the photo, I'm probably singing the first Noel or Angels We Have Heard on High. But maybe, if it happened to be a particularly avant-garde year, the director had cast me to sing It Came Upon a Midnight Clear instead. There would have been an angel, probably the youngest female child in the church, capable of memorizing a few lines. She would be wearing silver tinsel-rimmed wings, which themselves were probably constructed of white pantyhose stretched over a pair of wire hangers and bent into a shape resembling the outline of a monarch butterfly. A narrator on the side of the stage would explain to a quiet but engaged gathering of parents, grandparents, and other churchgoers that the berobed boys with the staffs were shepherds abiding in the fields, keeping watch o'er their flocks by night. I wonder now if this was really the life of a first century shepherd to sleep in the fields with his ovine wards, just perpetual camping. Were fences and pens not a thing back then? Regardless, there they were, when lo, a tinsel-trimmed monarchian angel appeared to them in the sky and, sensing their perfectly justifiable fright, attempted to quell their anxiety with some glad tidings that would reset the world's calendar and forever alter the landscape of human spirituality. This very day, in the city of David, was born a savior. As any number of potential saviors may have been born that night, the angel was especially generous in providing an extra clue to these shepherds turned savior seekers. This particular savior would be snugly swaddled and resting in a feeding trough for stable animals. Skip the local hospital, the angel seemed to advise. Just start poking your head in random barns until you find the one with human occupants. It was probably at this point the pianist cued me with an intro to the carol that I was singing that year. My mom, or maybe my mamma, snapped that photo and that moment became part of our family record. There I am, appropriating and anglicizing the dress of a Middle Eastern animal care expert, singing about an otherworldly being's voice floating o'er all the weary world, above its sad and lonely plains. I think there's a pretty decent argument to be made that our world is still a weary one. That many of us find ourselves sad and lonely, especially at Christmas time. I do love this season. I love it for the cheesy music and the colder nights that we get, even here in San Diego. I love the lights and the seasonal drinks and the photo collages that show up in my mailbox from friends around the world. I love wearing themed clothing, especially now that my style has matured a bit beyond bathrobes and dish towels. But with each passing year, 
I find Christmas is tinged with a deeper shade of melancholy. I feel it in the air like I feel the chill of longer, colder nights. The season no longer memorializes just a whitewashed story of goodwill for all people. It's a reminder now of many other things, too. Less joyful things. For some people I know, it's a reminder of someone they lost. A parent or loved one who died at this time of year, forever taking with them the untarnished yuletide joy that used to accompany the month of December. It can be a reminder of other people who are no longer in our lives, whether through a physical death or, sometimes, a more existential one. Estranged family members, homes we were kicked out of, places that excommunicated us. You might have memories around a tree on Christmas mornings with a family that is no longer together. In your mind, there are siblings, or cousins, or a grandparent, but in the present, in the here and now, you can't be with that person for one of a thousand reasons. Someone is incarcerated or has lost their memory and personality and presence due to illness or injury. Someone told you to get out of their life, or you told them. Maybe your melancholy comes from wanting to carry on your family traditions with a new generation, but there is no new generation. The children you can't have, the partner you can't find. Maybe you just no longer feel at home in the story of Christmas. Maybe the manger makes no sense anymore. Maybe the nativity was once the bedrock of your faith and your identity, and now you look at that cast of characters, an angel, a virgin mother, a shepherd, a wise man, and you no longer see yourself reflected among them. I don't have to imagine the feelings this might cause in you because I've felt them too. Feelings like disappointment, because forget the ever-elusive peace on earth, you can't even find peace inside. Betrayal, because you were told a story that has not resonated as true for many years. Loss, because this was once the most innocent and joyful of your traditions. Doubt, at a preposterous tale that a rational and modern person must measure on the scales of science and reason. Isolation, because something in you can't connect with the spirit of the season, because merry and bright just isn't in the cards for you this year. And guilt, for how this might all be your own fault for losing faith. I look back at the boy in the bathrobe and I'm flooded with both gratitude and grief. Grief at what it is to know on this end, all that the intervening years between us would bring the weary world and its disappointment, betrayal, loss, doubt, isolation, and guilt. And gratitude to know that the boy in the bathrobe was almost certainly at that moment the happiest he'd ever been. For me, this is what Christmas has become, the mingled emotions of heartbreak and hope, bitter sweetness, nostalgia and melancholy, symbiotic sentiments that 
If I could give them voice, might sound something like an angel's cry reverberating across a sad and lonely plain. You might not feel like this season belongs to you. The story might sound like someone else's. Advent and incarnation may be unapproachable mysteries, and it may feel as though you have rescinded your right to a Merry Christmas because of a faith you left, or one that left you. If any of this rings true, may I offer you season's greetings of my own this year? If you were to find a Christmas card from me in your mailbox, you might open it to read something like this. As you experience both the gratitude and the grief this December, may you meet melancholy, feeling fortified by the memories that make you happiest. May your disappointments be understood by those around you, your betrayals known, your losses comprehended, your doubts sanctioned, your isolation recognized, and your guilt May your guilt be the one thing you leave behind this year. May you know that the inexplicable story of Incarnation and Advent is still yours even if you don't believe it anymore. And may you know that you're not alone in your unbelief out here in this weary world across these sad and lonely plains. As in solemn stillness you lay, may you listen for the song of a tinsel-trimmed angel and if you don't hear it, may you feel invited and empowered and free to sing it yourself. Spiritual Conversations for the Godless. I'm Matthew Blake. Welcome to Heathen. Merry Christmas, Heathens. Um, welcome to, if I've done my math right, this is the uh, Christmas Eve episode. Uh, we're actually recording this on like December 3rd, so it's not, it's, it's like Christmas spirit for us now, but it's not like as Christmassy as it's going to be, I think, when you're listening to this. So um, I, for one, am super stoked to have uh, a president who is bringing Merry Christmas back <laughs> to America. Yeah, I just saw that video on Facebook where he announced <laughs> that the war on Christmas is officially over <laughs> with a quote-unquote biblical speech. Right, yeah. Well, you know, Bush uh, ended the war. <laughs> he did. And, and Trump's mission ending accomplished. Yeah, mission accomplished. Our Republican presidents are doing such a good job. Um, this is Micah Turner. Hello. Hi. Thank you for coming and doing this. Thank you. I'm so excited. Um, we know each other super peripherally. Like we do. Um, and we've hung out with some mutual friends, but I don't know you super well. Uh -uh. I don't know your story, and I'm really excited to hear it. Thank um, you. Uh, I thought maybe before we like do like who are you and bios and that kind of stuff like let's just let's let's do a little Christmas thing and like have have some festive moments here and talk about like some I don't know like so I, one thing I do know is that you you have an evangelical background I do as I do yes and um so Christmas is a big deal obviously to yes. evangelicals um we had 
I mean, we did this, you know, the normal stuff like caroling and uh, Christmas Christmas cantatas at church yes. every year and that kind of stuff. Um, one year, I remember like one, one Christmas memory that stands out for me that kind of relates to this whole heathen heathen thing uh, was I. I've talked about Amy Grant a lot on this podcast. I love Amy Grant. <laughs> okay, okay, good. <laughs> Particularly early, early yes, stuff. Yes, excellent. I had an eight-track tape when I was a kid. Of, was it Age to Age? Or the one uh, even yeah. before that, like her very first woman, she was like 16 yeah, or something. which was just Amy Grant, right? I think it was yeah, just, yeah, maybe that's what oh, it was. So kind. Um, well, this so this was like mid-era Amy Grant when she was kind of doing the crossover thing. Yes. So I don't, so I don't, that must have been... Middle school or high school, like early high the school. The baby, for me. baby era. It was House of Love. Okay. So House of Love came out, and I uh-huh. got House of Love. Like I had <laughs> asked for it for you know for Christmas, and I got it, and I was super excited. And that and that year, Christmas was on a Sunday, or at least the whatever we we opened presents on the Sunday, I think, and we were uh, driving to church because you know, right. Just because it's Christmas doesn't oh, mean yeah, I understand. <laughs> doesn't yeah. mean you don't go to church. <laughs> so um, we're driving there and. Uh, I, I'm like, mom, put in my new Amy Grant cassette tape. So she puts it into the the Red Ford Aerostar, and we're <laughs> we're on our way to church. And you know, the first song comes on. It's Lucky One, um, Baby, I'm the Lucky One. <laughs> and mom is. It's about like half a verse in, and mom just like turn like cranes <laughs> her neck behind and looks at me in the back seat and she's like this is not about Jesus was it the word baby <laughs> probably because <laughs> yeah, unless the song is about baby Jesus right. then you, yeah. don't, you don't have the word we, we baby. all know what baby implies yeah. yes it a slippery slope folks. <laughs> <laughs> so we had to take Amy Grant out of the cassette player on that Christmas day wow. and I couldn't listen to her until like December 26th <laughs> so did you get your tape back Oh, yeah, yeah. I got, yeah. like, I was able to It wasn't like it. Amy Grant that, was dead to your family no, after that or No, anything. we actually, yeah. I mean, we talked about the divorce, the Vince Gill and all yes. that. Like, um, but she was never ultimately banned from me, so that's okay, good. Okay, that's good. <laughs> I was that's able to, to hang on to that. Um, and my mom did, like, loosen up at the older I got. Like, I probably got the brunt of it because I am the oldest, so, like, I got most of the restrictions. And I'm sure by the time Clark... Clark did not listen to, he's my youngest brother. Oh, okay. Um, he did not listen to Christian music at all. Like, that's yeah, all I listened okay. to, and I really don't think he listened to it at all. So. That's nice. She progressed. Yeah, she, yeah. Did, she did. She's she, she's on her journey. I talk about my mom a lot on this, uh-huh. too, and I don't think she's listening to it yet. Okay. <laughs> if, if she does, then, uh, hi. you know. Hi, Mom. Uh, yeah, it'll be fun, because mm-hmm. I've, I've talked about her a lot. But I love my mom. I mean, I have a lot of stories uh, that, you know, she's, part of on this uh-huh. thing but it's like f- at least from my end and hopefully it comes mm-hmm. across but it's like there's there's affection there and love and of course it's you know we're all on our journeys yes so what did what was your did you guys have any christmas traditions things that you guys did well uh most of the time when i was growing up my parents did work at our church um they were the children's pastors and they are also over the all the performing arts oh, nice. so there was always <laughs> some kind of christmas production yes. and my uh my dad had a lot of like original productions that he had written and then directed and so i was usually in them so christmas was kind of a working holiday and <laughs> yes. yeah and if chris if, god forbid christmas was on a sunday that was the worst right because then we would have to some families they would like get up really early and open their presents but um i remember having to wait yeah until after church oh. and like and when your parents work at a church you have to stay super late oh, and yeah. then our church had 
like two services in the morning and then one at night. Night, of course. Although I don't think that they did the nighttime on the like holidays. That was their yeah. vacation time. Was yeah, not I remember food. that because The Simpsons was on <laughs> that Sunday night, and I only saw like the Thanksgiving episode and like the the Christmas episode because on holidays we didn't have to go to church at night. Yes. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so great. Did uh, were you allowed to watch The Simpsons? I was. Nice. I mean. There wasn't a lot of opportunity to watch them, so, mm-hmm. like, I don't know how aware yeah. my parents were, but um, they're both creative types, mm. and so they were a little more progressive, I think, because of that, and that was kind of part of their ministry, yeah. was to, you know, kind of integrate pop culture with uh-huh. Christian culture. We were always kind of the weird ones at church. <laughs> <laughs> hey, that's exciting. That's yeah. a good place to be. Mm-hmm. Um, so, well, let's do, let's do bios. So I, um, we know each other through some mutual friends, through Jamie, whose yes. episode actually just today. Yes, I just listened to it. Yeah, Jamie was, I think, episode number five of this podcast. Uh, and we, that's, I think, yeah. how we, mostly how we but know we each other. But we met that's right. before that. We did meet before that. And we had, we chatted for a minute and I guess we became Facebook friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as So you you've do. been my Facebook friend forever. I know, right? <laughs> like, uh, probably, what, like. Seven or eight years, yeah. maybe. I know that's it's funny when you like know people, uh-huh. like through the social media feed, but not in not in real life. Yeah, not in and then I see you around town, <laughs> like because I think we work randomly. in the same neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yep, run into each other like in Balboa Park on yeah. the bridge. Yeah, you know, and I've actually I haven't told you this, but I've seen you like across the street, like a couple. T- I've oh, seen really? you like <laughs> just around, like when like I couldn't have said hi or anything. I'm sure I was like picking my nose or something. Probably yeah, every so single good. time. Ooh, I, sh- yeah. I shouldn't talk to him right now. <laughs> Always know someone <laughs> might be watching you through a window. <laughs> it's a small yeah, San Diego's. It is know, a small town. Small big town. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so uh, all right, so you sent me a message. Um, on uh, through our Facebooks, mm-hmm. uh, uh, you know, letting me know after a few episodes of this that you had been listening, which I was like, thank yeah. you, that's awesome. And uh, you told me just super briefly, um, yeah, you, you mentioned that you were a pastor's kid and mm-hmm. you said missionary kid too, right? Yes. Well, my parents have a religious nonprofit um, that it's focused mainly on the arts and uh, performing arts as well as visual art and uh my dad's a writer painter yeah uh they they were in early like days of christian theater (gasps) they toured around in like a hippie bus my My mom had a mime troupe and my dad was a puppeteer and then they also did like renaissance fairs and all kinds of stuff like that that's awesome and then the theater company that they were a part of uh became a resident theater company which is still in san diego and uh, my parents kind of still wanted to keep doing the hippie Mm -hmm. stuff so they started their own thing and they've been doing that uh over 30 years or so that is so cool yeah we like mime <laughs> yeah in the 70s yeah, yeah exactly exactly <laughs> but I did my mom taught mime workshops all over San Diego yeah when I was a little kid and I would go with her because I was a little kid yeah and um she would have me do like dem- demos of like Mike is gonna demonstrate the mime walk now and yes. like she's gonna show you how to you know 
<laughs> do mime, whatever. Do you still do any of that yourself? Any theater, any theatrical uh, kind of stuff yourself? No, okay. no. I did all. I mean, I, I when I was a kid, that's like what I wanted to do. Mm-hmm. I wanted to sing and dance yeah. and perform, and that was the thing oh, yeah. that I always did. Oh my gosh! Uh, I, <laughs> yeah. So I was a theater kid. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I was a Christian school theater kid, right? So it's not like yeah, but you probably got to be the star. If, my, it was a smaller, if it's a smaller circle, yeah. you get more opportunities. My senior year, I did. I, I was a, I got the lead. I was uh, Henry Higgins. Oh, cool. My fair lady. That's a good um, role. I know, yeah. And and I work at a theater now. I, I, I do fundraising and communications and stuff for a theater in, here in San Diego now. So I But like being in that world now, I feel like, oh, my theater education wasn't as like amazing as right. I thought because there's so much I just uh-huh. you know, I Did you do basis, theater in college as well? I did, yep. Uh, Our Town <laughs> was my first okay. production. I don't, I, maybe I was the narrator. I don't remember uh-huh. what I was in Our That's, Town. No, the narrator is like throughout the whole play. Is, then then it wasn't, big... no, I wasn't the narrator. I had a role. I just don't remember what it was. But hmm. but my second production at the college, I was cast as a lead as a freshman, which so like, that was kind of fun. But then what um, killed it for me, <laughs> my theater career ended. I did a Renaissance fair. Uh-huh. <laughs> you mentioned your parents. <laughs> so yeah, Renaissance fair was awesome. I, I did the, uh, I was the... We, we were, like, doing Commedia dell'arte, you know, slapsticky uh-huh. stock character stuff. And I was the guy, like, the clown, basically, who has, like, the super long phallic nose. Okay. And like <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, but then it stopped my sophomore year. I stage managed a production. Mm. And I hated it so much. Like, I, uh, I, I absolutely hated not being in the spotlight. Yeah. I think. You're <laughs> not the production end of it. No, yeah. And then and then after that, I just never did another one. I don't, e- I don't even know. Yeah. I mean, I was, like, all over the place in college. I yeah. Jumped, I changed my major weekly. Like, I just didn't know what I wanted to do. So. Yeah. But um, that's really awesome. So, also in college, I was in, we had a, I went to a Christian college. And uh-huh. we had a um, <laughs> ministry team. Uh, uh-huh. We had two, two like, ministry team groups. Maybe three. Oh, we did. Because there was a dancing group, too. So, there was a singing group, uh-huh. a dancing group. And of course, the theater group. Uh-huh. And I was in. We were the Dawn Treaders. That was our oh. name. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like I think it's as still, a voyage of the. Yes, okay. exactly. <laughs> as, as in, you know, uh, tipping the hat to C.S. Nice. Lewis. I, I I don't know why. Like I don't know what the connect. Like why is the theater group name? That was my that? favorite book in the series. Me too. It was my yeah. favorite as well. Super good. Mm-hmm. I thought the mo- I thought they fucked up the movie. I didn't even see it. I didn't want to. Yeah. Don't bother. Yeah. Um. It's a disappointment. But uh. So it was so weird, though, because it's a Christian school and uh-huh. we would travel to churches uh-huh. and other Christian schools <laughs> yeah. doing our like evangelistic I'm sure you theater. ministered to them. <laughs> I mean, maybe. I don't even know. Like, it's so well, weird, though. What were you performing? Like, totally Christian, like how to get saved skits. Yeah. Did you, know? you have an altar call at the end? Mm, or did you give no, like, testimony? No, it wasn't quite that bad. It was like the school is a Presbyterian school. Okay. Like, not like super Presbyterian, but enough uh-huh. to where like, yeah, that wasn't really a thing. Yeah, you um, weren't like out on the street though, talking <laughs> no. to people. No, no, we didn't. We didn't do anything. Like we did not do our. Yeah, we didn't yeah. play to anybody who like. It just didn't line up. Like we're mm-hmm. doing skits that are like designed to bring people closer to God. Well, uh-huh. maybe maybe that's what it was. Like, yeah, you can bring Christians closer to God, I guess. Uh-huh. But it was just still weird. <laughs> it was great times though. Like, yeah, I still have some good friends from that group. Uh, one guy's yeah, an actor you, in you LA. get really close. Yeah, you do. Yeah, I'm really thankful that I grew up in that type of a community and just also like learning how to work together mm-hmm. and 
I was a really shy kid, like super quiet. Yeah. But when I was on stage, for some reason, I would just light up. It didn't make a difference yep. that I was a quiet kid. I was way more comfortable in front of an audience of people than I would have been in front of like a small group at school or something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah, totally. I, I'm the exact same way. Really? I loved the safety and security of a script. Yeah. Like, yeah. not having to be myself. I'm, mm-hmm. I'm actually really awful off script. I can do yeah. this. Like, I can have a conversation yeah. and... Not but, improv. Oh, my God, no. I have a kind of a standard thing. So I, I do lead music at a church uh-huh. still every week, and I have a standard thing, like I always say. Yeah. And, you know, it's just like, welcome. You know, you're, you're, you're welcome to participate no matter where you are. Like, that kind of thing. And one week, not too long ago... Somebody like made a joke in our little huddle before church mm-hmm. that, um, that you know, like, oh, Matthew, you can't say your your you know your bit, like, yeah, oh, change no. change it up, <laughs> change it up a little bit. And I didn't read it as a joke; I thought yeah. it was legit. So I was like, I, I had this like moment of yeah. like internal panic. I'm like, okay, I gotta like, like what am I gonna do? I have to like come up with something <laughs> new to say. And then I like did it, and it was awful. Like I completely. Are like, you sure it was awful? You just no, no, no. Like it was it awful because literally today one of the pastors like w- laughed at me. Basically she, she was like, what were you doing? I guess it was like two weeks ago. Cause yeah, yeah. she's like, what was that? And I was like, I don't know. Because I, like, I, I got up there and I was like, I'm not supposed to say my usual thing to you guys. You so. told them. That's where you went wrong. <laughs> you disclaimed yourself. Fast off the edge of the cliff. <laughs> So yeah, I, 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 I'm the same way. Cool. I love the, uh, I love performing, but mm-hmm. I like doing, I like knowing exactly what I'm yes. doing when I get, I get out there. Yeah. Um, so where are you from? I grew up in San Diego, uh, and well, I was born in Belgium. My parents were working there for a couple of years doing like Christian broadcasting mm. stuff. And then we, all the media. Yes. All of the medias. Wow. Um, and then when I was a baby, they came back to San Diego. So I grew up in like the East County area. Yeah. Sweet. Yeah. And, um, okay. Well, so tell me a little bit about your, about this journey of yours, that your evangelical journey. Well, uh, I was definitely very involved in church all growing up and Christianity was a part of every out, every area of our mm-hmm. lives. Yeah. Um, my grandfather's also a pastor. I have two uncles who are pastors. Um, and then a, a couple other, oh, everyone's in like ministry of some kind <laughs> or working for a Christian organization You're or one something. one of those families. Yes. And yes. then I have lots of cousins who are missionaries in Africa. And so it's, that is, it's my heritage. Mm-hmm. And um, it's, yeah, it's just something that was totally normal and, uh, it was the type of family where if something came up, we would sit down as a family and pray about it. Yeah. Wow. We need something, sit down. My parents were very open with my brother and I, I have one brother, um, like if we needed money, and, you know, this, they were in ministry yeah. and lived off of like basically missionary support. So yeah. um, churches and individuals who believed in what they were doing would send monthly amounts and uh sometimes you know we would have plans that required money and my mom would say well we have to wait till I go and check the mail because they had a p.o box so it'd be like like, oh mom are we gonna like go out to dinner tonight well uh after three o'clock that's when the mail comes oh my gosh so so we'll know (laughs) yeah (laughs) we'll know what we're gonna eat yeah I mean yeah and all kinds of you know people really took care of us our community um 
kept us going mm. and I mean it seemed totally normal to me at the time but now as an adult um supporting myself I'm realizing like wow my parents did that with two kids yeah that is impressive mm-hmm. um I'm just remembering how we one Wednesday night a month we you know we have church uh-huh. like three or four times a week uh, and w- one Wednesday night a month would be our missions night at okay. our church growing up. And it, and we would read letters. That was the thing. Like, if you're a person, if you're in the mission field, uh-huh. then you're sending letters back mm-hmm. to your to your supporters, your, your constituents. And yeah, your newsletter. And those would get read. Like, literally, wow. that, was, that was Wednesday night church. Like, wow. 30 letters. To the group? To the whole church, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. You That's re- nice to hear. <laughs> yeah, read the letters and, and then, you know, write the checks, yeah. basically. Uh-huh. But yeah, we... we and it, it, yeah, it makes you feel like you're participating. I mean, you are. Yeah. Abs- it's not just like you feel like... You really are participating totally. in what that person's doing. Because yeah. there's no way that they could be out mm. there doing those things yeah. without money. I mean, definitely say what you will about evangelicals, and I do. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but that's one area where... Mm. Literally, I think they put the mo- their money where their their mouth is. Like, mm-hmm. um, we supported a lot of missionary families. Yeah, in our little church, we weren't yeah. a big church at all. Yeah, but that's really cool. D- did your family? Did your folks travel? Like, did yes. ministry? Yeah, they did a lot of international stuff. Um, we actually performed as a family. Yes. Oh my god! <laughs> it's like Von Trapp shit. Kind I of. love it so yeah. much. <laughs> So, um, for like a lot of the international trips, uh, we would do sort of longer nonverbal mind slash dance type yes. plays, awesome. uh, you know, cause you know, language barrier. Yeah. Yeah. So the one that we did the most of throughout growing up that we did all over the world, um, was kind of like a spin on the creation story and the fall and Mm -hmm. everything. And my dad played, it's called the artist reflection And my dad played an artist and we had really cool like sets and we'd always have like two people who we needed two more people. So it was my, my brother, my mom, my dad and me, we needed two more people. So, but they were really simple parts. So a lot of times wherever we went, if we knew somebody there or sometimes we'd bring someone, but they were, pretty you know pretty easy to teach someone to do it mm-hmm. and we would just give them the costume they had to fit the costume though wow. i guess that's the one <laughs> you're like scanning the crowd yeah. you you're tall you fit the yeah. bill um and my mom and i were kind of the adam and eve characters and then my brother <laughs> played the he was a lizard but he was like the satan character yes. and it was actually like it's super it sounds super cheesy and i guess it probably is a little but like it was, it was theatrical and visually nice, and like my dad put a lot of effort into the soundtrack, like, mm-hmm. um, like original music, and you know, like got good musicians to do it yeah. and stuff, and um, and we, it was about twenty minutes long, and then a lot of times my dad would give. It depended where we were. Like if we were in a church, it would be like a here's how you can support us kind of a message. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then if it was out on the streets in Mexico or somewhere else, um, it would be like a salvation message. Yeah. And then like prayer and 
stuff. It's it's a when you grow up in that world, like those uh-huh. those Sundays, like uh-huh. when <laughs> the artist comes. Yeah, they're that's like, how it was us. <laughs> oh, that, that, those were the best because all the rest of the time you're focused on tedious Bible study, uh-huh. you know, verse memorization. Right. Uh, so and those, then if there's like a singer oh. or performer or something, it's fun. <laughs> they were yeah. the best. Oh my gosh. We had a guy at our church who did chalk art. Oh, and it was like, like live chalk live, art? Yeah, live. Um, at, was it chalk? Yeah, it was all chalk. Mm-hmm. And then there was always a hidden um, hidden image, you know, Ooh. so he'd do a landscape. And he's, but then really if you back up, it's Jesus crying or something like no, that? No, not that. It was, um, uh, you it was, it's funny. I can't, I'm thinking about this. I'm like, wow, I can't believe that was actually church for us sometimes. But like, we would just sit there. He would play music. Yeah. Uh-huh. There was a soundtrack. He'd play music and then he'd draw for 20 or wow. 30 minutes. And it's a beautiful, you see the creation of this beautiful landscape uh-huh. and, then, <laughs> and then he's done. Right. And the, you know, the music changes and the lights get turned off uh-huh. and he turns on a black light. Ooh, <laughs> on, and then what happened? And then there's like some in like invisible ink wow. he had like already done. <laughs> oh, before that? Yeah. It was like on the canvas yeah. or whatever. <laughs> it was already on the canvas. So it's like, you know, whatever, a white Jesus like with <laughs> praying in the in the, sc- I love in the that. sky. That's or something. what Christian artists had to do. It's like, <sighs> I'm doing my art, I'm doing my art, and it's Christian. Exactly. <laughs> and that, and what the hell? Like it was he was really good actually. Yeah. Like he, Beautiful like, landscapes. why can't it be a salvation story just because it's beautiful? Yes. Oh, my gosh. Mm-hmm. Wow. Those those are special moments. Yeah. <laughs> we had, a, yeah, anytime a musician would come or anything like that. In our church, we only had pianos and organs. Oh. We had a piano and organ. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I taught myself guitar in high school, but I never performed with my guitar at my church. Wow. Except for, like, one time I remember. Uh-huh. And I remember what a big deal it was. It was like different. Uh-huh. And that's not to say that contemporary worship. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yes, it was like contemporary. <laughs> <laughs> that's a whole thing, right? Contemporary yeah. worship services. Yeah. We need to draw in the young folk. <laughs> Let's get a drum kit. Um. Yeah, man. Good stuff. What a what a life. Uh-huh. I'm intrigued. I mean, I'm not su- super surprised from uh-huh. the little bit I do know about yeah. you. Like, you, you are, <laughs> like, I think there's part of you that totally, like, carries on in your parents' like tradition of, mm-hmm. like, hippie artists, right? Oh, yes. A little bit. Yeah. Um, they were absolutely the parents that I needed to have. Oh, that's awesome. And um, even though church was such a big part of our life I always remember that being allowed to question things and um, I remember my dad saying I don't know a lot really and that was a really important thing for me asking questions like about heaven and hell and saying oh you know like here's what the bible says but we don't really know like some people say it means this some people say it means this you just have to figure it out See what you want, you know. I love that. Yeah. I love that he was comfortable saying, "I mm-hmm. don't know." That is, and a he rarity. also. Uh, I mean, it, we the church that I grew up in um, it was like a non-denominational contemporary church, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, a, a lot of ex hippies, super laid back, lots of surfers, and yeah. um, you know, folding chairs and coffee in the back of the room, and it was pretty casual. Yeah, come as um, you are. But of. it was definitely an emphasis on the worship time, the music, mm-hmm. and um, posture, standing, raising your hands. Um, and if you weren't doing those things, 
it was kind of like, oh, are you okay? Like people would be like, oh, how's your oh. walk with the Lord kind of a thing. Wow. Um, and I remember, I have a strong memory of one time my dad, he was either sitting down or he wasn't singing. He was just standing there. And I remember asking him like, like what's wrong? And he just said, I don't like this song. <laughs> he's like yeah i don't want to sing it i don't agree maybe he didn't agree with it or something oh, he's like i don't, I don't want to sing the song <laughs> <You're> <laughs> and all... i was like you can do that what that's an option to me yeah <laughs> that's crazy yeah, I, uh, yeah. Your, your walk what's your walk you're not uh-huh. <laughs> you're not standing you're not singing yeah and that could have also been my perception mm-hmm. that i was a little self-conscious yeah because also being an introvert, I didn't always want to draw attention to myself. Mm-hmm. And like maybe for me, standing with my hands raised felt super weird, yeah. <laughs> which it went to a lot of people. It does to a lot of people. Yeah. I went through my hand raising phase though. Yeah. For sure. Yeah. In, in college. I taught myself to like it. Yeah. And then I did do it. And, but I still had a lot of questions like, why? And like, well, you're surrendering to the Lord. Mm-hmm. And I get it. And I know that even like um, in recent in my recent life, I've done a lot of meditation and yoga and stuff. And you do, there are postures where you are with your hands open. Yep. And I understand more um, how your mind and your body are connected. Mm. And uh, it's, I, and I, I remember a lot of the people that I went to church with who like started the church that I was a part of. They were hippies who could have, you know, come out of the like a lot of the hippie spiritual movements. Mm-hmm. And I think I wonder if all those things came from the same place. Yeah. Um, you know, just like all the like the Hindu leanings of the sixties and sure. stuff. And maybe some of those people who got saved uh carry some of those things into their religious life. I'd like to think that. I like yeah. to think it all. Yeah. Original it originates from similar places. This I'm this is uh really cool to hear because this is not I mean we, <laughs> we have super different like uh-huh. it's so funny like yeah. how you can come from like the same faith traditions and yeah. yet just have these completely different approaches to because totally. that was you know hand hand raising no, the, no physical like don't do anything with your body basically uh-huh. was was my church yeah like, not charismatic no yeah no the opposite um, yeah I mean our, our we had you know two two Sunday services, uh, morning services. And the first was just, it was just the Lord's Supper. Like it's mm. just literally come and you sit there and the men take turns, only the men, uh-huh. uh, take turns um, calling out a hymn uh-huh. or it's all, you know, oh, wow. so-called like spirit led. Like uh-huh. you just stand up when there's a, a moment for you to stand up and mm. either read a verse, call out a hymn, give a reflection, a very brief thought. Mm-hmm. Um and you do that for an hour, and at the end, and it's all focused on like Jesus, hmm. and his death, um, the sacrifice, like the, his, every Sunday. Every Sunday, that was the first service, and you're looking at the communion table. It's it's um, you know this do in remembrance of me, mm-hmm. and it's sitting right there. At the, everybody's kind of centered around that, and that's what the whole service was about was communion, like leading up to that moment of like sharing. And hmm. so, I mean, there's actually some stuff about it that is kind of cool and and you know mm. I, I i like to think about but um uh, where was i going with this oh so yeah but we like mm-hmm. it, no music no actual instruments or no anything, accompaniment like, yeah just yeah. acapella um 
But you had an organist no, or something? For the second service. Okay. Yeah, the second service would have more like, it was more traditional yeah. in terms of you start with some choruses. Uh-huh. We had these very old hymnals that we would sing from um, or choruses that were on the, <laughs> uh, like a projector with the like transparent right. sheets, you know. Did people like, handwrite them or were they? Oh yeah, handwritten. Yeah. yeah. Later on, uh, like my mom actually, I think did a lot of the like, changing them over to some printed because my mom was oh, a, a yeah. school teacher so she had access to yeah i remember when you were able to print um <laughs> transparencies on the computer that was a big deal <laughs> people were like deal. whoa <laughs> yeah my mom now you know uses an ipad and everything in her classes wow. and she's like it's just changed so much yeah well now you can do powerpoint or whatever yeah, yeah. yeah exactly you project it's, it's mm-hmm. but no back then it was handwritten <laughs> i remember sometimes like they wouldn't be able to find the right one and mm-hmm. so they'd be like really quickly writing it <laughs> yes <laughs> i hope you get hope you get all the words right yeah. um wow what was mm-hmm. how, what was your like posture and all that how did you did you feel like connected to it and felt like it was true uh, for you at that time and i wanted to yeah it's hard for me to know sometimes what i was really feeling and what i really wanted to feel and i tend whenever i didn't understand something a lot of times my tendency was to feel like that was my fault well there must be something wrong with me <laughs> I'm I haven't learned that lesson yet yeah. so that's why it feels uncomfortable I need to grow yeah. I I want to be teachable oh my and humble and I I don't know everything and uh, it's probably just a lot of my personality. Mm-hmm. It wasn't like anyone was telling me I had to be that way. Although, especially women are encouraged in church to be uh, people pleasers. Mm. Servant. I mean, everyone. We're all encouraged to be servants. Yes. Servant-hearted and everything. Yes. Um, but I do feel like for women, that's the you know it's the example that we get a lot. It's um, fascinating to yeah hear you say because I relate so hard to this yeah. the idea of was it what I wanted yes. or was it what I wanted to want? Oh yeah. I, like, I don't know. Yeah. And, or are those things that different? Hmm. You know, yeah. like, is it like a nature versus nurture hmm. kind of a concept? Yeah. You know, that like we're all some combination of both of those things. Okay, so you grow up in this world. Yes, and I was totally into it. (laughs) I mean, like I really wanted, like I said, I really wanted to do all the right things. Um, And I definitely prayed a lot as a child. And there's a big emphasis on having a relationship with God and actually talking to him Mm -hmm. and... um, Hearing from him, hearing his voice. Yes. Uh, um, that, that, that's, a, I think, a big distinction mm-hmm. between evangelicalism and a lot of other things, yes. right? Like the yes. whole relationship yeah. is a big deal. Mm-hmm. And there's a, there's a little bit of judgment uh, upon other churches who didn't have that emphasis. Yes. Oh, so totally. like my best friend went to a Presbyterian church mm-hmm. and I was like, Oh, well, you know, like they, yeah, yeah like what are they, what yeah, are they doing? <laughs> right? How are we both Christians? Yeah. 
because it seemed it's so different, so vastly different at yeah. the time. Yeah, it's like worlds yeah. apart. Even just what you believe about, I just struggled so much with the idea that um, some people are picked, you know, mm. which was mm-hmm. just predestination. And, uh-huh. uh, like, how can how can you think that like for some people there's just no hope? Like they're right. just like no matter what you do, like they're mm-hmm. they're the ones who weren't picked. Mm-hmm. They're going to hell and. Mm-hmm. I heard a lot of talk about that. Yeah, I didn't even mm-hmm. really, I had never heard that until later, mm-hmm. yeah. like after I left uh, my home church and like went out and was in ministry myself. Um, because we didn't really talk about theology that much We in my church when I grew up in. Yeah. It was mostly... How are you doing? How are you and God? How, how's Jesus today? Like, what have you been talking to him about? Yeah. Wow. It's so funny because there are, like, I feel a lot of similarities between similarities between the way we grew up. But I do yeah. feel like my church would have judged yours pretty heavy. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. I mean, I know just yeah. because, like, we did. We, right. We, any, any church that didn't, you know, wasn't hyper-focused on, like, the person of Jesus. Like, that mm-hmm. was the phrase. Mm. Person of Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and, the, and all of the associated doctrine around him, like, yeah, matters big time. Yeah. Um, so you said you went into ministry yourself. I did. So when I was 18, uh, I joined a missions organization 18? and wow. yeah, right out of, right out of high school. Yeah. I think I did one semester community college, but honestly I did it to get my like Pell Grant to pay for my, <laughs> I was like, Oh, I, if I do one semester of college, you're going to give me like $4,000 yeah. or something. I could use that. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I took a bunch of dance classes. And, <laughs> awesome. uh, I took an art class. <laughs> yes. So yeah. And I went, um, it was in the Nashville area mm. and I did, I started out doing like a six month program where it's like three months in a classroom, uh, just like learning about missions and, um, evangelism and like the father heart of God and relationships and like, oh, there's a whole like, you know, format and you have like a week, like different teachers each week. And then during that time, and we did a little bit of like evangelism out in the area where we were living and like are just kind of all around the Southeast. And then, uh, the second half you split up into teams and go to another country. Most people went overseas. Uh, I went to India and, um, worked in the slums and did a bunch of stuff in, in that area. And, um, then after that I ended up going on staff at the place in Nashville and I worked with those training programs, so I worked as like a like a discipleship leader kind wow. of a thing. And training then I took other people then to I, yeah, the and then I took <clears throat> teams out. What was okay? So I have like eight eight follow up questions okay. now. Um, <laughs> well, first of all, let's talk about India. Like, okay. what? I'm I'm just wondering about like encountering people of you know another faith. Like, mm-hmm. did you walk away from that ex- or like when you know in that experience or whatever? Um, like how I guess I guess <laughs> to put it in stupid terms, like how much of a Christian were you? Like right. w- were you like super into converting people? Were you right? Well, you- so the organization I work with has an emphasis on what they call unreached people groups, uh-huh. and these are 
groups who have never had access to a Bible, don't have a Bible in their language, Mm -hmm. have never heard the name of Jesus. So you know the thing that people ask about heaven and hell? Like, what about the people who... So, so in my organization, the, I was taught that the people who don't have the Bible in their language are going to hell. So basically it's on us. Wow. It's our job. Okay. Finish the job. That was the, uh, like, let's go finish the job. So basically, uh, our mission was to send as many teams out as we could, uh, to get to these people groups and we had them all mapped out and we would pray for them by name. We'd have like a different group that we'd pray for every day. And so that's what I was doing basically for a few years. You're doing like the, you know, in that worldview, you're doing the most important work. Yes. Wow. Um, that you're right. That is the question you always ask earlier. Mm -hmm. It's a common question. Yeah. Like, what about the people? And mm-hmm. yeah, we got I got all kinds of answers <laughs> over the years. The whole, uh-huh. well, special revelation versus general revelation. Right. And like, our answer was like, well, get started. Let's get started. Yeah. <laughs> I think, honestly, that's like the first time, I mean, other than the whole predestination thing where uh-huh. like some people are just picked <laughs> yeah. and others aren't. Yeah. Um, that's the first time I've heard of like people just kind of like taking the answer on, like, like mm. and just bluntly saying, yeah, they're going to hell, so yeah, we, let's better, be real. we better yeah. do the work. <laughs> yeah. There's lots of guilt about that. And anytime I was like on an airplane or sitting next to someone, I felt an obligation to talk to them about Jesus. And being an introvert, probably the last thing. I mean, nowadays, I just put my headphones in and smile politely. Yes. <laughs> but at the time, I kind of had to become a different person because at the end of the day, if after they got off the plane or whatever, walked out on the street and got hit by a car and died, and I hadn't talked to them about Jesus, pretty much my fault. (sighs) (laughs) (laughs) That is so heavy. Yeah. That is so much for a person to carry. Yeah. For a kid, basically. Right. Yeah. Um... No, because the answer for me was always some, generally it was some form of like, God's going to, you know, God's, mm. God can find them. God mm-hmm. can speak to them through a sunset, you know, like oh. <laughs> it, you know. Yeah, totally. It, yeah. At the end of the day, there's, there's a, yeah. there was at least a, we didn't carry all of that, that, that burden or that responsibility. We mm-hmm. carried a lot of it um, mm-hmm. to, to evangelize. And, and Yeah. And that is also my interpretation of what I was taught. So kind. <laughs> You're so generous. I'm like, oh fuck that. That is bullshit. And um, this uh, was after years of therapy. <laughs> right. Uh, okay. Okay. So um, you you in, in your message to me though you you know you mentioned leaving uh-huh. leaving uh, ministry and and, mm-hmm. and and ultimately I think you well I don't want to. We'll get there uh, to the whole election and everything. Uh-huh. <laughs> that was the final yeah. man or whatever. But like, what started? What 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 catalyzed your? You, you had questions. You already said mm-hmm. you had questions from like a young age. Like, mm-hmm. is this what I want, or is this what mm-hmm. I want to want? Mm-hmm. What was that process like of kind of leaving? Well, it was gradual. It was like in phases. Yeah. Uh, I always, you know, like kind of what I mentioned about my parents, how we we're a little bit more progressive in a lot of ways. Yeah. It's still very much Bible believing and everything, but uh, 
you know, like my parents were a little bit more on the liberal side politically than a lot of the Christians we were around. Yeah. And, uh, well, you have to be. Come on, you're doing yeah. mime. <laughs> right. Yeah, mime and puppetry. Like, you're gonna be. <laughs> and I think that, like that, I was always raised to think that that was part of our ministry was to just be different mm. and to sh- to reach out to other people who are kind of like us and show them, you know, no, like there's a place for you. Yeah. Just because you don't fit in doesn't mean you can't be part of our group. And that's what I always wanted. And when I worked with these uh, mostly college age people. In ministry, I always found the ones that were like a little weird and yeah. like dressed in all black and listening to their headphones. And I would always connect to people over music. And, mm-hmm. um, you know, like when we had like MP3s on our laptops and stuff, like that was like the first thing when there was like a new group, we would, I'd find the ones who were into music and we would just spend all night trading music and talking about music. Yeah. And, uh, I just always felt like, but if I leave, what are those people, who are they going to have? Yeah. And that kept me there, I think, for a while. Mm. And there were there were people in leadership who appreciated that. And I, a lot of times I'd get invited to meetings for like the like postmodern perspective or whatever. Like, <laughs> anybody, well, I want to know what Micah thinks. You're our desi- <laughs> yeah. designated. Yeah, and I think I probably had a little, you know, a little pride about that. Yeah. Um, and it just, so the, la- the last country that I was in was Thailand. And I remember while I was there, I became friends with some expats who lived there, Americans um, and Canadians who were living in Thailand. And, we would always say we were students traveling, which wasn't 100% a lie, but we wouldn't just say, we wouldn't call ourselves missionaries. Right. So it was definitely like a soft sell, like, hey, we just want to hang out with you. <laughs> <laughs> we're cool. The like, we're, d- we're dressed just like yeah. you. <laughs> but they thought we were totally weird because we weren't, we weren't allowed to drink. Right. And we're like going out and hanging out with them at bars, but we weren't drinking. And we would just say, no, like, they're like, but you're just like students, right? Like, why? Like, and I'm like, no, we're just like, we're not supposed to. And they're like, well, why do you do it anyway? Like, nobody's going to know. No. And there were all these like kind of weird rules about like how late we could stay out and stuff like that. Yeah. And um, uh, at one, some point, one of them figured it out. I guess after we were all hanging out and we left to go back to where we were staying, they had had this like long conversation about like, who are these people really? Yeah. <laughs> and they're finally, the next time they sat us down, they're like, are you missionaries? <laughs> and uh one of them that i was good friends with uh we'd been there we were there for months so we you know became close a full month that you haven't like revealed we hadn't used the word missionary yeah (laughs) and it just sort of all came out and uh one of my good friends like took me outside on the balcony and uh he always called me glasses because that was my I wear glasses, creative nickname. Yes. He's like, glasses, I'm just worried about you. I think you're part of a cult. And he's like, I I think you're really cool. And I'm afraid that, you know. And I started to do what I always did with my non-Christian friends. The same arguments and being like, no, like, but I'm different. And 
I just realized how tired I was of answering those questions. And I was like, why am I working so hard to explain away these very real concerns from people that I care about? Yeah. Wow. And I realized that I couldn't raise money. I was writing these newsletters, like you mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. that your church would read. I would write these newsletters and tell people the things that I was doing so that they could send me money. And I realized I couldn't, I didn't have anything to tell them that I felt good about accepting their money for. Wow. And I went home and I stayed with my parents for a little while. They were living up in Julian, up in the mountains. Mm -hmm. And they had like a little guest house and I was staying in there and then just like helping them with their work that they were doing so like for a few months while I figured it out and every day um I was doing like free writing just kind of like getting all my thoughts out and I realized that I didn't want to read the bible anymore I tried but every time and I would like listen to podcasts for like churches trying to like get inspired and Mm. I just couldn't anymore and I felt like the Bible had been used by so many people as a tool of oppression and I just didn't want it anymore it wasn't on my list of things that I loved and then I had this thought like well maybe it's because of the way it looks like like a leather bound book with like the gold lining on the outside. It was like, maybe it's just that, like maybe it's an association. What if I got a Bible that was just like a book, like a paperback book? Uh-huh. Cause you know, like they have those. Yeah. And, um, I went in my dad's office to like look on his bookshelf to see if he had anything like that. Cause they have lots of Bibles. And then my mom came in and she's like, I'm going into town. Do you need anything? And I was like, do you think you could stop by the bookstore? There's one used bookstore in Julian. Like, see if they have, like, any Bibles, like, paper, you know, and I just, okay. And then she left, and my dad was like, what was that about? And I said, well, you know, I just thought maybe I'm just kind of having trouble reading the Bible, and I thought maybe if I got one that didn't look like a Bible. And all of a sudden, it hit me, and I just broke down and wept. And I'm not really a crier. Like, I don't cry very easily, so it was sort of a big deal like a wake up call. I was like, Oh, there's something going on. And, um, my dad like sat me down he like went and got me some coffee and, and he said, you know, sometimes I feel that way too. People will try and tell you what to think and you just have to refuse to listen to them. And like you have, you know, find your own way. And I don't, I wish I could remember his exact words, but it was something like that. And, um, and then my mom came back with like, five paperback Bibles for me. (laughs) (laughs) But um, yeah, so I decided not to go. I still hadn't decided that I was like leaving ministry at that point. Um, But that was like a turning point. That was my like, okay, I'm not going back to that. Yes. Something different maybe, but not that. so many people like the beginning of doubt Mm -hmm. is already too far 
Mm. You know, it's you're already too far. Right. It's a slippery slope. Yes, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Which is one of my things. I was like, well, if the slope is that slippery, we should we should examine that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Why? Who made this slope, right. and why is it so yeah. slippery? <laughs> if we're just like constantly trying to stay up. Yeah. <laughs> um, there is an author that I like, Brian McLaren. Yeah. Um, and he was speaking at a church in San Diego, and I was living in North County at the time because I had a friend that lived up there. <clears throat> and uh, I went down to hear him speak mm-hmm. at this church in yeah. North Park. And this is a, a church we've both gone yes, to. I think. Yes, it, so it's it, kind it, of our mutual like, yeah, connection. Exactly, different times. Yeah. Before. So I talked. I heard him speak, and then I talked. Got to talk to him after. And he was so sweet. And I'm still, like, recovering from, you know, what all the things I just said. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, not oh. really into church or anything. And he said, well, tell me your story. He was just so sweet. Mm. And he listened to me. I did all the talking. And there <laughs> were, like, people waiting to talk to him. Yeah. And he's just listening. And then um, and I, I just told him a little bit of my story. And he said, well, what kind of a community are you looking for? Have you thought about this community, like the church where he was speaking? And he introduced me to the pastor. And then I ended up, we ended up getting coffee later that week. And I got involved super quickly, maybe a little too quickly. It was kind (laughs) of like when you break up with somebody and then you Uh, like rush into something that's totally different. Yes, indeed. But the good things about that experience included... um, Learning that I wasn't quite as progressive as I thought I was, for one. Um, It exposed me to completely different social groups. And and a big part of that was it it was uh, like one thing. Jamie also mentioned this, the Prop 8 campaign. Yeah. (laughs) And uh, the issue of homosexuality in the church was something that I had avoided dealing with. Mm. Of course I didn't want to push anybody away yeah and I but I didn't know what the answer was right and when I joined that church I learned that I could just be everybody's friend like what I don't have to tell this person about Jesus I don't have I can just be their friend we can just hang out and like talk which was huge on so many levels and that was that was huge. Yeah. yeah, that changed my life. And I loved being in a place where truly you could come as you are. Yeah. It wasn't, you know, because the church I grew up in, that was our thing that we always said, come as you are. <laughs> yes. But, but it's, it's not... come as you are as long <laughs> as you are this list of things. Yeah. Come as you are within within these yeah. Um, boundaries. Yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. That's a great thing about a lot of the progressive Christian movements is mm-hmm. that you do. You, you People who've come as you are, even if you're from mm-hmm. <laughs> a, a super fundamentalist, conservative, whatever, like, yeah. you know, come here and like, let us help you see that mm-hmm. there, there's a bigger spiritual community than what you thought. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, more people are welcome than what you were taught. Right. I ended up joining the leadership team of that church for a short time, and then um, then it was just time for me to leave. Um, it was time. Yeah. Yeah. 
and it was hard, but I realized, I mean, after that, there wasn't really a church for me. Mm -hmm. I feel like uh, for some people, the progressive church is a doorway into church, like the people who can't find anywhere else. And then for me, and actually several of my friends from that time, it was a doorway out. Yeah. It was like a transition into the world yeah. and opening us up into different things. So if there had been a church for you at that mm-hmm. time, what would what would that church have looked like? I don't know. Yeah, so you really were done. one of the things I still struggle with and I actually got this question from an old college friend just this week somebody messaged me who I hadn't talked to in well since college Mm -hmm. um and he was just like hey I've been listening like thanks for doing this but also like why don't you call yourself a Christian like Mm -hmm. you go to church you Mm -hmm. uh you know why are you so adamant about about that Mm -hmm. piece like um I get that you don't like you know, what the church in America, you know, what most people think of as, as evangelical mm-hmm. or you know, you're just even Christian in America, like think of, like I get that disassociation, but you still, you know, do you, do you still believe in, you know, why, don't, why aren't you a Christian? And I, mm-hmm. and I was like, well, this is the thing I haven't really talked a ton about uh-huh. yet on this podcast. Yeah. But, um, but I, I've just kind of vaguely said, like, I don't check off enough of the boxes to be a uh-huh. Christian, but I, you know, when it comes down to it for me, I, I've, I've done a lot of this, this same you know, mm-hmm. process you've been through in this soul searching and asking these questions about the Bible. I remember the last time I read the Bible, it was my, it was my last ditch. Um, mm-hmm. I, 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 I've, I figured I've, I've probably read the whole Bible, you know, yeah. like in, in pieces here and there, uh-huh. like, but I've never read the whole, Bible. I've never yeah. sat down and read it all. So I, I, I set out to do that. It was kind of a conversation with my papa, actually, <laughs> my grandfather, um, you know, a challenge from him. And I went and I did it. And it was, for me, that was probably the nail in the coffin was sitting there and actually reading the Bible with this inquisitive spirit and this mm-hmm. like, okay, like what is this thing really? And is there anything of value? And and not to say that I didn't find that there was nothing of value, but mm-hmm. whatever value I found was purely in it being this, you know, transcription of history a mm-hmm. piece of literature some really nice beautiful poetry mm-hmm. some great awesome redemptive stories yeah but nothing in there that compelled me to think that that christian faith is like the way mm. you know mm-hmm. um nothing about man it's so weird how it's hard to even say some of this stuff like even when it's, yeah. <laughs> it's like a podcast called heathen and, uh-huh. you know, it, but to say like yeah, I'm sorry, Jesus. I'm mm-hmm. sorry. You're mm-hmm. you're great, but mm-hmm. you're not for me. Mm. You know, like I don't I don't need you. Yeah, I don't need you. Um, and so I guess that all all of that to mm-hmm. just say like was <laughs> yeah. Why did why did you ultimately leave? And and I'm I'm guessing it had something to do with that. Like like ultimately uh-huh. like it's just not. Well, I 
first it was like I just needed a break. Yeah. And then I realized I was kind of okay. Mm -hmm. And then it was like my mind sort of reset because I had spent so many years with this voice in the back of my head telling me I was doing everything wrong all of the time. And I wasn't that bad of a kid. Yeah. You know, I was pretty good. Yep. I was a missionary, you know, like I, I tried really hard and like all of the things that like they tell Christian kids not to do. I didn't do any of them. Right. I was really living that life. Yes. I wasn't living any kind of a double life or anything. Yeah. And I still felt like every thought I had, like every temptation I had or, you know, like I, I was a sinner. Yeah. And I think after a while of separating myself from that, the community that made me feel that way, I, my mind started to reset and I, I guess I healed a little bit and started feeling this happiness that I hadn't felt before. And I remember just like the idea that you'll know the health of a tree by its fruit. And I was much more fruitful in my life than I had ever been healthier I felt like I even like looked better. Hmm. I didn't feel like I was hiding. Yeah. And so that was kind of my answer. Yep. But I didn't want to go back. That's a great answer. And, and why would you? Mm -hmm. I know what, um, you know, the folks I grew up with, I know what they would say to that. And I know mm -hmm. that I, I, I know that. Right. <laughs> yeah. I know all of the arguments. Yeah, well, it yeah. doesn't, you know, you can't compare your sin to other sin or whatever. Uh -huh. Like we're all, all of, all of sin and fallen short of the glory of God. Mm -hmm. Sin's not on a spectrum, even though it totally is. Like, uh -huh. let's be completely honest, because if you, you know, are gay or have an abortion, you're like a way worse sinner than if you lie mm -hmm. to your parents. Mm -hmm. um, in that, in that world, in, <laughs> I'm saying in that world. Right, <laughs> yeah. right. It's um, inconsistent. It's completely, it's, it's, it's hypocrisy. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, all of the answers that, that people would give to that, but it holds no water. Mm -hmm. It just holds no, no water when, mm -hmm. when it's your life and you're the one looking at your journey Yeah, and saying, no, I know that mm -hmm. I do things that are like bad sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, that doesn't mean that I need Jesus to die on the cross. For mm -hmm. me. That does not mean that mm -hmm. I'm going to spend eternity in this fictional <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, hellscape. Um, there are other ways to redeem myself. You know? mm -hmm. well, and it's and just there... called being a person, mm -hmm. right? It's just yeah. called, I'm going to go apologize for this bad thing I did uh -huh. and learn from it and grow and, and give back to the world. And that, believe it or not, that's enough people like, mm -hmm. again, yeah, not to disparage people's individual mm -hmm. faiths, but mm -hmm. that's, that's where I'm at. It sounds like. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. And I, I still am the same person that I was. Yeah. I still love the same things. And as I've become more confident in myself, I've found that I use the same gifts now that I was using mm -hmm. when I was in ministry. Yeah. And, uh, well, I, I'm a massage therapist, so massage school was a big part of my journey. Yeah. Um, and learning about healing and uh, 
being around a lot of other people who are kind of like me, like I would say intuitive types, but without any kind of religious label of any kind. Mm -hmm. And just talking about like, so what is this thing that we feel? God never came in, the word God never came into it, but we were talking about a lot of the same things that I feel like I had talked about in Christian circles, just without the Bible as like a metric for it. And if that's what, um, if that's how people approach their Christianity, mm-hmm. that'd be super great. Yeah. Like right? this is who I am. Yeah. And there's different, I really believe that church is for some people of certain personality yeah. types. Yeah. And then other people just don't feel like they can do it. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, I just think we have different needs. I feel like my spiritual life is maybe stronger mm-hmm. than it's ever been. And I have even come back around to a lot of those same stories. It took me a while. I had to, like I said, like put the Bible down. And I, I don't, I very rarely read the Bible now, but there are certain teachers that I like, like Richard Rohr is a really good one. Yes. Do you know? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And that was, uh, as I've been reading a lot of Buddhist teachings and then, like, over over the years, and then I picked up a Richard Rohr book, and it was basically the same thing with some Jesus stories. Yeah, yeah. And they were stories that I already knew. They were already part of me. And to be able to, like, step outside of myself and just look at them from another angle mm-hmm. was really powerful to me. And there's a lot of depth there. The night of the election this past year, I was watching. What, what changed for you that night? Because a <laughs> well, lot changed. Well, I was for sitting me. watching the footage with some friends who were who did not have a church background, mm-hmm. and they were saying, "Well, you know what it is? It's the Christian vote." Like everyone was like, "It's the Christians," yeah. and I was like, "No, you guys, no, it's the, different the, now." Yeah, the dial's moving. It's different. Yeah. yeah, it's not the Christian. Like, don't blame them. It was kind of like you have like this aunt that like is yeah. kind of annoying, but yeah. you're like, "No, like, but she actually she's really sweet. I know, like, she's a little weird, exactly. but like, oh, yeah, yeah, she means well." And then you know, we we all know what happened that night, <laughs> and so you know, I went to bed feeling sad and I woke up and I looked at my phone and I just saw this headline that said the evangelical vote was what pushed it over and I just wept and I was like you lost me in 2008 Mm -hmm. and now I am never ever coming back I was like so angry and I always like will write I write blogs and then I never post them that's like you know <laughs> like there's like long <laughs> angry things and I, then i'm like okay no. i don't really i don't i don't need anyone to read that <laughs> I, I, I yeah I, there's a lot of tweets i never right. <laughs> that never make, make their way out into the world right um oh my god i am so with you um that that was a for me it was much slower that i didn't see a headline the next day it was a slower mm, like dawning mm-hmm. or realization that like oh my god the reason this mm-hmm. happened is because of my people. Mm-hmm. Well, and it's interesting because it's not 
my family necessarily. Right. I don't know how they all voted. I mean, I know it wasn't my parents, yeah. but like, it's it's not my close people that yeah. are still in the evangelical church. Yeah. It's the larger label mm-hmm. of it, yeah. if that makes sense. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. No, it does make sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, and for me, it is also my people. Like mm-hmm. literally. Yeah, that's harder. Family, cl- very close yeah. family members. Um, and it just felt like, I mean, I was already like, you know, well, I'm, I'm well into where I'm at now. You know, it wasn't mm-hmm. like I was still had any shred of hope uh-huh. for evangelicalism at yeah. that point. But it was still this like, um, like you lied to me. Yeah. My whole life you lied to yeah, me because you, you told, told me. me what mattered. <laughs> you told me what mattered was upright character, you know, mm-hmm. like being noble, being yeah. pure, being holy, like seeking those things. There's nothing in this person that you can even pretend mm-hmm. hits the hits that mark. Mm-hmm. But you voted for him. And you told me that the most important thing was was holiness and you mm. voted for the guy who grabs women. Mm-hmm. Um, so what the fuck evangelicalism? Yeah. Like, yeah. It, it, and I mean, I had already like made several like statements about just burn the whole thing down before then, but mm-hmm. for sure, for sure that night for me too, was like, mm. no, never, ever, ever again. Yep, it's over. You're done. <laughs> yeah. and, and, and I break up still on. Yep, yeah. <laughs> and I will celebrate the day that, Franklin Graham and those people, you know, <laughs> people like that no longer have a voice in our, uh, our society. Uh-huh. I also don't want to have the kinds of conversations that like are yeah. just bitch sessions basically. Uh-huh. But at the same time, you know, sometimes it's like, it's okay to spend the moment yeah. and like acknowledge what's yeah. real. Um, yeah. Acknowledge what's real. I, I just, I, I will say that I, I feel I don't have any qualms about like some of those relationships that I, you know, cut off and was done with at that point mm-hmm. uh, I feel fully <laughs> within my rights to do so and, mm-hmm. and that it's the best for me because you know? at the end of the day you do have to look out for your own health yeah and it is health uh, mm-hmm. it's not it, they they <laughs> the far right loves to make fun of um, liberals for being so sensitive right mm. um, but no it's 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 your, it is your mental health. It's your emotional well-being. Like, those mm-hmm. things matter, and no one else is going to look out for that for you. Yeah. You have to do it yourself. Mm-hmm. Ooh. <laughs> what uh? What uh? Is is there anything else around the election stuff? Because I there's a couple of questions I wanted to ask you, but. You can go ahead. Okay. So you did mention early on just like the whole, you know, being a woman in this thing, in this thing. Um, So did you have like restrictions on you as a female in in your like church worlds growing up? Like things you couldn't do just because of that reason or? Not overtly. Yeah. Uh, Like I remember... A little bit, like mostly, like I don't remember experience, experiencing that at my church that my family was a part of, but at, uh, from other churches because we you know we traveled a lot, yeah. and um, and I do remember uh, hearing a sermon one time. I think we were in Texas, and the sermon was about women um, 
the verse about women speaking out in church. And rather than going the historical route and talking about what Paul really was talking about, it was like, okay, well, so women, you're not allowed to speak out in church because that's what the Bible says. And so what do you, you know, what you can do is uh, you tell your husband what you want to say. Yep. And then your husband can say it. And I know what you're thinking. What if I'm not married? Well, you find a, a man... Uh, that you respect, maybe it's an older relative or like just a man of the church and you, you know, you go through him. And I was like, what? Hmm. <laughs> I like 15 or something. Yeah, and I, yeah. I mean, fortunately, my parents don't believe in that at all. And so my dad was really good at, you know, explaining Stepped to me. You know. <laughs> um, and my parents were more on the feminist side. Um, they named me Micah, one of the things they liked about it was that it it wasn't yeah. necessary it could be male or female. Gender I mean I think it's it's name. actually a male name. I you know my mom always told me, well we don't know for sure. The Micah in the Bible might have been a woman. We <laughs> don't know. It. And I've uh, never yeah. heard in the rest of my life I never heard anybody else say that Micah might have been a woman. Yeah. Hey. <laughs> yeah. And not? I was taught the writer of Hebrews might have been a woman. Mm-hmm. Um and that um but yeah, that there are there are names that were actually changed mm-hmm. in our in mm-hmm. our translations. Uh, oh, what was her name? It's on the tip of my brain. I can't think of it. But there was in the in the uh, in Acts, like there there are names of like church elders uh-huh. that were feminine, and they were changed oh, to their their masculine yeah. counterparts in our like in King James or whatever uh-huh. versions we read now. Uh-huh. A uh, Junia. Junia. Ju- Junus. Something Junia. I think Junia is the female name, okay. and it was cha- changed to like Juna or I don't know the male version. Some, okay. But yeah, yeah, and you know, like well documented, yeah. like like. Uh huh. Yeah, it's it's a big big patriarchal cover up. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it sure enough is. Did you? So have you like, have you, <laughs> women's march and everything like? Oh is yeah, this of all, course. Yeah. Well, and as an adult, like I'm in my 30s now, and I am unmarried and childless, <laughs> and. I didn't even realize how deep yeah. that went yeah. as a woman that I I don't know if any... I mean, there was just a big emphasis on getting married and having kids. Yep. And all of the women in my life had gotten married and had kids. Yeah. You know, my mom and my grandma, obviously. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I just sort of always thought that I would. And I, get, I still can. But, like, <laughs> I mean, most of my friends, it was the like the early Christian... A lot, of, a lot of Christians get married young, I think. In the oh, early sure. 20s, so yeah. I had like all the weddings. Yep. And then, you know, lately it's been all the divorces and the second marriages. Mm-hmm. It, that it's really the same in the churches, outside of the church, largely. Yep. But, um, but about me, it was just in like recent years that I realized that I did kind of feel like I was less valuable or that I wasn't fully fulfilling my duty as a woman because I wasn't a mother and that I wasn't, didn't have a family. And it's been incredibly liberating and changed my life to realize like, no, like I can take care of myself and I like, I'm a business owner and like I, I can do things on my own and I can plan my life and I'm not just waiting for, to, you know, hitch on to somebody else's dream. out if 
Um, okay. You don't want to go there, but you did uh, in your message. You meant you you said if you ever want to talk to like a, a witchy massage yeah. therapist. <laughs> so is there like have you like encountered any other like like forms of spiritualism? Yeah. Like, in terms of yeah, um, Wiccan pagan stuff. Well, I mean, not full on. Like I do read tarot cards and um I've been like looking into stuff more like just kind of like for fun because I felt like I wasn't ever allowed to learn about that stuff because it it was like the occult yeah um and now I see it more as just another way you know like like using tools to access a part of yourself and I but I do believe that it all comes from us Mm. And like, if I get something out of my tarot reading, it was me. I don't know that it was, you know, some outside source reading my future. I don't, I don't read my future kind of a thing. It's more like, it's something that was in my subconscious and having images to look at as I'm very visual and tactile. It helps me to have like those archetypes to work with love thinking about it in those terms these are tools mm-hmm. for me to access like yeah. the deepest parts of myself the and they might be for me they might not be for you yeah oh t- yeah well i'm i'm super interested for this exact same reason yeah. like it's a curiosity and yeah. it's something that was forbidden yeah <laughs> yeah for a while like it felt a little funny like my friend gave me a deck of tarot cards and a book about it and i was like kept like looking over my shoulder <laughs> <laughs> uh, my boyfriend, yeah, like yeah. Loves, has has his own deck of tarot cards and um, crystals, like uh-huh. are a big deal to him. Uh-huh. Um, very important to his spirituality and yeah, um, yeah. I want to learn more. I definitely want to learn more. Well, about, we can talk more about that if you want. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Uh, we'll get together. I, I mean, I feel like uh, even this podcast is totally gonna like um, shift and morph mm-hmm. into. You know, it won't always be what these first few episodes have been, which is right. kind of like archaeological archaeological work, right? Um, yeah. Digging through our pasts and like uh-huh. unearthing these stories. It won't always mm-hmm. be that, I think. Mm-hmm. And so maybe one day, yeah, we'll do an episode yeah, on tarot more cards. more specific. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, so like tarot cards and then like, I don't know, I just, I've come to see that they're, is a mystic strain that kind of goes through everybody. Yeah. And I have a part of me that it, you know, that space in my heart that um, accesses something outside of myself or, yeah. or whatever it is. I don't know what it is. It's a yeah. mystery. But um there, you know, there's different ways to access that, but I do believe it's the same kind of mystic strain. Mm. And sometimes I get that through meditation or just sitting in silence or I journal a lot. I draw a lot. Like that's a big one. Or just, you know, being outside, going somewhere beautiful. Um, the mystic strain. That's going to like, if I, t- I, I kind of wish I had like 
titled these episodes yeah. things other than like the names of the guests because there's always like you a, could start I could I guess you're right like <laughs> episode whatever this is a mystic string it's like do you ever listen to Rob Bell's podcast yeah he like he always talks about how he loves titles yeah like, he, he kind of kind of brags about it like, <laughs> I'm really good at titles Rob, <laughs> Rob brags about a lot of things but you know what he, he's, yeah. he's earned some of that so. um, yeah yeah I love it mm. I love everything you're about and I'm so glad that we like oh, me too sat down and then we've just kind of like had these random moments of yeah <laughs> every- I know and I and I did always feel like that's probably someone I could be friends with but it's like oh it's so much work it's <laughs> it so much work it is so much work <laughs> and when you already have like your three yeah. friends at least for me I'm an introvert uh-huh. too so I'm uh-huh. like I've got three friends I know I, I have enough friends <laughs> it's always but I really do I think I said this in the message it takes me a few times like and maybe that's part of like moving around a little bit in my life it's like, I want to know someone's around. Like, yeah. I'm not, like, you know, like, I like hanging out with my close friends. And it's funny because I do have a lot of friends. Like, somehow I made them. At some point, <laughs> yeah. we weren't friends and now we are. It just, like, took Me a long too. time. Yeah. And I like I like depth and I like, you know. And so sometimes, you know, with a new friend, you don't know what you're going to get. And my time is valuable. <laughs> Absolutely, it is. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's just this is yeah. What, but I is... love like our, when like the Bamets were in town and yeah. we hung out. Like I, I really like loved chatting with you. And I was like, yeah, he's someone I can be friends with. Yeah, I felt the same way, and I'm yeah. glad that we finally got to Me do this. Too. This is so great. <laughs> Thanks, Micah Turner. You're welcome. That was fun. We'll uh, we'll have the tarot card episode we sometime in we'll the do future. That. <laughs> Well, that's a wrap on 2017, folks. Thank you for listening to Heathen. I'm coming back with new episodes every Sunday beginning January 7th. A few of you have emailed with some really great conversation ideas, and I've already started recording around some of those topics, so I'm looking forward to including more voices in upcoming episodes. Be sure to follow Heathen on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. The handle is at Heathen Podcast. Send any thoughts or questions you have to askheathen at gmail.com. And hey, if you like this thing, would you leave a five-star review on iTunes? Have an awesome holiday. I look forward to more godless chatter in 2018. I'm Matthew Blake. Here's to the heathens. fine with diving in if you are sure yeah i'll just see what happens cool okay uh wine sure it's a cab all right cheap trader joe's two buck chuck cab wonderful (laughs) that's two buck chuck well it was like four buck chuck five four or five buck chuck (laughs) it's not chuck it's not it's not yeah it's like like the i guess the next one yeah (laughs) um, thank you Mm -hmm.